Welcome to the Kook Center Podcast, and here's your host. Firm, but with little give. Yep, these are medium rare. What if somebody wants theirs well done? We ask them politely yet firmly to leave. Michael Preston. Post signing day wrap up. Oh, I, you know, it, it's kind of nice to have an uneventful day, Britton Ransford, because at this time last year when we uh, we we did our pre-show last year when you were still with Wazoo Watch. Now you're with us here at Kook Center. A wonderful move on our part, I think. But when we did the show, this show last year. It was pretty much just us about 45 minutes of drinking bourbon and lamenting what was an absolutely god-awful day uh, for Washington State decommitment-wise. But yesterday was about as uneventful as it gets for any school. Uh, Just a couple of two surprise commits for Wazoo, and that was it. It had to be a really nice day, not just for the coaches, but for you. Yeah, celebratory bourbon this year. Um, it was everything was pretty much wrapped up before uh, eleven a.m. and the rest of the day was just kind of putting a, a bow on the class. It was, uh, it was really nice. I actually had to go on a like I went on a radio deal and it came in right after Frederick Balgoa uh, put his in, and that was it was at ten thirty. So I mean the class was wrapped up at ten thirty. It was extremely um, smooth and what how we wanted it to. I think how the staff wanted it to. I mean, the only reason it even took that long was because Frederick had to wait until it was, what, it was 7 a.m. in American Samoa. You can't fax anything in before 7 local time, so he had to wait until it was 10 o'clock here to even do that anyway. So by the time you had gotten up and had your coffee in the morning, things were pretty much all wrapped up. And the coaches, Mike Leach said, and I know sometimes, you know, we kind of, you know, you look at what a coach is saying, it's just coach speak or he's over-exaggerating. But when he said yesterday that, it was the most uneventful signing day he's ever had. He's probably not exaggerating too much. Yeah, he said, "What? I'm stunned to tell you that I'm stunned that nothing happened." You know, yeah. it's like, um, and then Emmerich even in the morning on the, which was a really cool signing day radio show they did. Mm-hmm. Emmerich said it was the greatest signing day of his life. You know, he he uh, covers or basically is the liaison for all that recruiting stuff, and um, he's uh, always working pretty hard behind the scenes. So. Um, when he's the one saying it, it was the greatest day of his life, I mean, or his signing day life, it's, uh, it, it clearly was. Um, it, it went just exactly as planned, and um, it, it was weird how all the, the, the pieces fit in the puzzle at the end. I mean, we had so many commits at one point, and how is it all going to work? And then you end up with a surprise, and then everyone fit perfectly. It was, uh, it was uh, like I said, there was a message of madness that worked out perfectly. I want to talk about one thing before we get into anything else. And uh, Mike Leach learned what dabbing is yesterday. Uh, that might have been the most adorable thing I've ever seen. And I know that you didn't know exactly where dabbing had come from before that. We all learned something yesterday, didn't we? Including that our you know fifty some odd year old coach has no idea what the kids these days are up to. Yeah, and I think it was a perfect, uh, perfect put a bow on that whole phenomenon. I guess uh, Cam Newton will probably get the last laugh this weekend, but it was pretty funny to see him. Uh, so it's like sneezing and talking about how, oh, yeah, <laughs> I need to get out more is basically what he said. And so, yeah, it's, it's always fun to see the, the, the non-social media type learn about social media. Yeah, he finally figured out how they were making it uh, cool for all of his commits to actually want to, want to end up at Wazoo. All right, let's talk about uh, a couple of the, not necessarily, well, we'll talk about 
the one surprise here in a minute, but we'll talk about uh, one guy in Frederick Maui Goa who uh, you know we were kind of focusing on as things led up to signing day because he was going back and forth between Wazoo and Oregon State. He settled on Washington State and Britain. This is something I know you brought up yesterday, and it's something that bears repeating with Coach Joe is that the guy has never lost a recruit that has come from the Rock, that has come from American Samoa, and just his incredible importance to Washington State recruiting, it can't be understated when you get a guy like Maui Goa to come into the fold who's already sitting at six foot four, two 295 pounds. The kid's already got Pac-12 size, but to actually be able to lock that down from a place with guys... Uh, as talented as American Samoa is so incredibly important for this staff. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, it all started with Destiny Vaio um, four years ago, and uh, since then I think they're now 10 for 10 when they get a, a Samoan recruit on campus or a recruit legitimately from Samoa. Um, and that, that's huge. I think they, they'd like to go in there and try to take the best prospect out of there every year because it's clearly working out. Um, and, uh, yeah, Maui is it sounds like he actually ended up committing uh, right after or during his visit, and uh, it was kind of like a courtesy call to uh, Oregon State just to wrap up a whole recruitment deal. Um, but if you look at his size immediately, he um, he, he bolsters an already impressive offensive line class. Um, they bring it at six now, and um, he uh, might be the most highly touted of the bunch. Keenan King's also up there, but um, you just look at his size of six four. Um, 295 pushing 300 um he'll almost certainly redshirt but mm-hmm. um, he's got the size to, to immediately compete at this level and i think 247 sports actually um, rated him a four-star prospect so there's obviously a ton of talent there and um it just it, it's a matter of getting him acclimated to, to kind of big boy football and it's, a, it's a lot different over there and then i'm um, getting settled in america and then in college and so um it, it, it's uh, a big addition to them is continuing that pipeline but it's also a great addition to um, the offensive line and the future of it second year in a row we've had a surprise uh, commit on defense uh, this one Suli Tamaivena a uh, linebacker rated three stars by rivals uh, he's a junior college transfer from Walnut California that a big one uh, for Wazoo bolstering their linebacking core which is hurt by the departure of Jeremiah Allison there captain and arguably their best linebacker but this really helps thing and a really nice surprise for WSU to get on uh, signing day a guy uh, that is of that quality uh, at outside linebacker especially in Alex Grinch's system yeah I mean if you look at his highlights they're uh, they're pretty impressive man the guy's aggressive he um, gets after the quarterback um, and he's really good in coverage too he kind of does it all really well um Emmerich said that uh, it's probably one of the uh the most impressive highlights in the entire group, and, and that's that, that's impressive itself. I mean, there, there's a lot of guys that get off the quarterback in this class, and um, he can do it just as good as anyone. And what's really cool about that is uh, they visited over the summer, and then Ken Wilson kind of um, kept on him, kept on him, and uh, they were recruited to San Jose State. Um, I'm, I'm speaking of him and his twin brother, CT, who's actually um, also in the mix here, but um, they were recruited to San Jose State by Dante Williams, who's a secondary coach at San Jose State, and uh, actually just he went down and took the job at uh, Arizona. One of the best recruiters on the West Coast, and clearly, if you look at his uh, recruiting classes, he does a really good job. And so that was a good get for them. But when he left, Ken Wilson stuck on him, and uh, um, they really wanted to keep, um, especially Suli, under the radar just because a lot of teams would have came in and, and plucked him. I think uh, Utah, Arizona State, Oregon State all offered. And so um, a huge get there. And then um, his brother, twin brother, actually, 
Um, he is he's got two credits left, a little bit of coursework to do, but someone that they could add in the in the summer um, with a financial aid agreement and uh, get get two really really good players in there. Um, they kind of went back and forth. I think um, Suli was the co-defense player of the year this year in his uh, in the conference, and uh, last year CT was the, the guy down there. And so um, they're both ranked in the top seven among um, linebackers in uh, 247 mm-hmm. Sports' um, JUCO rankings. So, and sandwiched in between them is uh, Chima Onyeku. So you got three uh, junior college transfers, potentially three coming in that. Uh, will really bolster and add just a ton of speed, and that's exactly what they wanted to, to get out of this class. You said on Yeku's name a lot better than Mike Leach did yesterday, which was one of the funny. If, if you didn't see that oh, moment, boy. go back and watch the replay. It just he gets to Chima on Yeku's name, and he goes, "Oh man, here we go." Here we go. <laughs> um, you, you mentioned kind of you know that the coaching staff kind of hid Tom Avina. You know, kind of away because they didn't want him to get you know too much attention from other schools, which is kind of something Washington State needs to do, Britain. And it's kind of been a running theme with this class a little bit. You saw it with Nilsson Gaisoa; he had been committed to Wazoo for a while, and they kept him successfully hidden away because they think so much of him. But late on in signing day, other schools came after some of these guys uh, and tried to get them to flip. I know Danny Bender, I think. Uh, was approached by a couple of schools, but th- these guys were approached by a lot of schools in the Pac-12 that we would traditionally think of as powers in this conference, and they all stayed committed to Wazoo, and we didn't have that signing day bloodbath like we did last year. What does that say about what this coaching staff is doing uh, just with these kids and getting them on campus? Because normally you'd be so worried about something like that. I think it all starts with family and just uh, it's creating a bond between the coach and the recruit. Um, just it, it is a family. I think um, we, we touched on it in the pre-signing day podcast, talking about how that uh, culture from the locker room is kind of trickling down to the living rooms. And when they get on the campus, um, all the players are really um, uh, involved within the recruiting process and um, treating everyone like they're they're one of their own, even before they commit. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was a point where Danny Bender had a USC come in after him late. I'm not sure if an offer actually got. I, I sounds like an offer got a extended them um, and then uh, Derek Moore again USC kind of looked at him Jalen Thompson was getting looked at by UW trying to, they were trying to get him to come out and visit and so um, that's uh, it's something that I mean it's a complete 180 from last year where um, if other these other Pac-12 schools aren't getting the kids they're really wanting they go look into uh, who can we get um, from Washington State's roster is basically what it's been like for the last few years and so um, for them to kind of nail that down make sure that didn't happen is a, a testament to just the relationship they've built and what they're building in Pullman. I think the other nice thing about this class is, you know, maybe outside the junior college transfers who obviously want to play right now because they only have a couple of years of eligibility left or three years at most to play, and a couple of wide receivers in Isaiah Johnson and uh, Desmond Patman who will probably play right away, but that more because you're going to lose Gabe Marks and River Craycraft and uh, John Thompson, I believe, after this year. So you're going to lose some wide receiver depth. The nice thing about this class, Britain, is basically none of these guys need to play right away. If they work their way onto the field, that's great. They work their way onto the field. But this class was really, it's a depth class. You get these guys in here because you need some of that depth at the back end of the roster. And that helps affect special teams. It makes special teams a little bit better. But these guys, most of them can just pretty much sit back and kind of take the year, not necessarily take the year off, obviously. It's still going to be doing work, but they don't need to get on the football field right away. 
Yeah, I mean, like you said, the junior college guys probably didn't come in and play right away, but you look at all the prep guys um, outside of Isaiah Johnson and uh, um, Desmond Patman, who are both physically ready, and maybe Lear Bartley, too. He's uh, he's also almost physically ready to play at this level. Um, you have a bunch of guys that you can kind of just sit back and um, let them learn the system, and um, that, that's a... That, that's a good thing. I mean, if you look at all the, the successful programs, they, they, they treat their recruiting classes like a farm system. And um, WC really just hasn't been in that that spot to be able to do that yet. And this class is filled with a bunch of really solid three-star prospects. I think everyone but like Geisella is rated three stars by one of the the, the scouting services. So mm-hmm. um, it's a it's a really a really solid class from top to bottom. They're not going to have anybody that's going to flash out at you at a four-star. Um, so when I, it's like, oh yeah, obviously he's going to play right away. Um, but yeah, they're going to be able to sit him back there, develop him. Um, it, it's a very, very athletic, fast class. Um, a lot of big guys. I think the, the smallest guy is Renard Bell, and he's um, probably the fastest guy on the roster. So um, there's a, everyone's there to, to kind of come in and uh, start building up in that strength and conditioning program. And um, these guys, the guys might not be someone you see them in the next couple of years, but down the line, I think they have a lot of really big contributors. One of the things uh, we learned yesterday, Britton, was that Justice Rogers, the quarterback coming out of Bellevue, is going to get a shot at quarterback in the spring. We kind of thought that he had, I believe he'd said before that, yeah, the coaches have said we were going to get it. We were all kind of a little, you know, a, a little wary of that because, you know, there were at the time there was a quarterback committed in the class and Rogers ran the wing tee at Bellevue. Not exactly the air raid for sure, but he is going to get a shot uh, this spring to at least be back at quarterback a little bit. That's got a lot to do with the fact that Wazoo ended up not taking a quarterback in this class. Not ideal uh, in terms of what Mike Leach likes to do, but I don't think too big of a disaster uh, considering what you do have at the quarterback position right now. No, yeah, they're definitely going to give Justice a a shot at quarterback. He's going to have to prove that he can make all those throws and stuff, but he's also just a... um, They need quite a few quarterbacks um, in practice and especially through the spring to um, get the practice going and get balls flying out of there. And so um, they're really going to give him a shot, though. It sounds like he's going to be in the quarterback room. And um, that's, uh, I mean, all the power to him. I think they just really want to get him in a spot where they're going to do what's best to get him on the field as fast as possible. And that goes for everyone. Um, As for not taking a a true quarterback in this class, um, again, it's not the biggest biggest thing in the world to not take one. Um, you got a, a really strong 2017 class coming in, and I think one of the things that uh, um, Leach kind of alluded to and others, um, it, it's tough to recruit this to quarterback right now with uh, Luke Falk playing the way he's playing and then having two uh, pretty solid backups and Tyler Holinsky and um, Peyton Bender back there. And so there's really no clear-cut path right now for a, a freshman quarterback that can say, hey, in two years I'm going to be playing right here. Um, that's uh, a competition deal, obviously, but... I think next year is going to be the year that they really go all in on someone. I think they really would have taken uh, a good quarterback in this class if they found one, but they weren't mm-hmm. just going to take any number. One other thing I know a lot of folks have noticed and something that uh, strikes me as well with this class is that there isn't a defensive tackle, nose tackle, uh, like Washington State may have wanted. And unfortunately, it's not a position where there is a tremendous amount of depth. You still have Daniel Aquale. You have Robert Barber, you have Nalu Tapa there, but really after that, uh, you're going to have some graduation next or after this season. So, not really too much in the way of depth at that position. Is that something the coaches wanted to focus on a little bit more and just kind of missed on some guys, or is it something that they're more worried about for 2017? 
Yeah, it's one of the tougher positions to recruit just because um, you can find the size. It's it's getting guys that you can see that you can develop and um, the size that's also athletic. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they just they just weren't able to find that many in this class. And if you look at their offer sheet, they only offered. I mean, they offered quite a few, but they were all very very highly rated guys that uh, was kind of a leap to get to Washington State. Um, I think they really would have. They really would have liked uh, uh, Wayne Kirby. Uh, he would have came in and probably competed right away because I mean they're an injury away from being really, really, really scary thin at that spot. Yeah. Um, I think we'll see him kind of load up on it next year, but uh, I think a lot gets pushed on the Nalu Tapa's shoulders this year. Um, he's going to have to have a big spring, and make sure he stays in shape, and kind of um, gets his nose in the in the dirt and um, really kind of tries. I mean, they're going to need him to to step up, and so. Um, yeah, Leach, said, Leach kind of brushed it off as saying that they uh, it, it wasn't the biggest deal. They have a bunch of uh, defensive tackles running around campus, but then he kind of um, backtracked a bit and said, yeah, if you were being a little nitpicky, yeah, I mean, we probably would have liked someone in that, that spot. And so um, that's, that's one of the spots along with quarterback that you're going to see um, the staff focus on this next cycle, and I think they're going to go after some guys pretty hard. Just up and down, though, uh, Britton, I think, like we've been saying, a pretty complete class uh, for Washington State and Mike Leach and his staff. And the message going out on the recruiting trail has been, you know, you can't come to Wazoo and play early, but uh, obviously most of these guys are not going to do that. If there was maybe one or two guys you had to pick other than who we've mentioned, Johnson and uh, Patman, who are pretty obviously going to be on the field on September 3rd against Eastern Washington, probably. If you had to pick one or two guys who have a chance to play right away, who would you say, uh, maybe besides the junior college transfers as well, would maybe have an outside shot at getting on the field? Yeah, I think uh, one guy that I was talking to Brian Anderson about um, was Skylar Thomas. Um, he really likes him as a, a returner and someone that can maybe um, fill in here or there at a uh, defensive back. It sounds like we're going to start about a cornerback, but he might be the fastest guy in the class. Um, and uh, we, we were kind of chatting as a group last night about who uh, was the fastest on the team. I think it was Cal, Cal Green, and then um, you're looking at Skylar Thomas or Robert Lewis now. And so um, he's a guy that you might see uh, get in the, the, the special teams game. And then um, you got to look at like Jalen Thompson, who came in early. Um, he can do a lot on both sides of the ball. He's also going to be a defensive back, and so he might push for time. Um, he might be. Uh, a guy that you watch for, um, and then uh, certainly I think uh, Lyric Bartley has a chance as one of those defensive end types to force himself on the field. He's a, a pretty athletic freak, um, and he can do uh, a lot of cool things with rushing the passer. So mm-hmm. that's someone that you got to look at. I guess, I guess those three would be the three that I I see as uh, having the, the best chance to play right away. In addition to those uh, junior college guys, who they all can expect to contribute immediately. Something you talked about a little bit earlier and we talked about on the show on Tuesday and on uh, Monday night and Tuesday was that, you know, the word family gets tossed around a lot. And again, this kind of rolls back into what I said earlier. Sometimes you just don't believe everything that comes out of a coach's mouth because it's just coach speak and it doesn't really mean a ton. But these guys in this recruiting class seem to really kind of be all in with each other and all in on Washington State. They're chatting with each other on Twitter Anytime an offer gets extended to somebody, the recruits, not the players, I want to, not the student athletes, that would be an NCAA violation. They, uh, the recruits are talking to these guys, and they're all kind of already feeling, it already feels like all 20-some out of these guys kind of feel like they're already part of the family, even though most of them haven't set foot on campus yet. This is not something we've seen 
uh, really out of any recruiting class, you know, largely because, okay, fine, social media wasn't as big a thing if, even just a few years ago. But even just, you know, from an outsider's perspective, I don't think you've seen something like this uh, in a Wazoo team outside of maybe last year in quite some time. Yeah, and I think uh, one of the biggest things with that is that the squeezing um, all the official visits into five weekends, and so you're getting a big group of those official visitors that are already committed and together. Um, you can see a little bit of like the clicky type deal, not 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 a sense of uh, purposeful clicking, but uh, most of the guys that took visits together, they're all just uh, talking back and forth, and even the guys that didn't visit together, it's a class that they all... Uh, they all enjoy talking to each other. They all call the family. They say, hey, welcome to the family. Everyone was congratulating each other yesterday, and a lot of them were fired up to be on campus. Um, you don't, you don't, uh, you don't improve your win-loss record by um, six games without uh, creating some kind of special culture, and um, that's just something that uh, I think everyone's buying into, and you can see in this recruiting class. So a lot of these guys uh, anxious to get on campus. We're anxious to see them on campus here uh, in the fall. Some of them already on campus this spring, and uh, Britain. That's a big advantage for these guys, like uh, like Garrett McBroom and like uh, Johnson and like Jalen Thompson and like Justice Rogers. Those guys already on campus, and Mike Leach knows that getting those extra fifteen practices out of them pretty darn important at this point, especially as we talked about building that depth going forward and uh, being able to maybe get them on a field a little bit quicker. Yeah, the, the football aspect's huge as well as it is. Um, Leach will be the first one to tell you that the first thing that, that comes that, that makes someone successful at this level is just really acclimating to um, college football um, as a whole, being a student athlete um, at the college level, getting used to Pullman, getting used to going to classes, getting comfortable uh, in your living situation, and then that's going to really help you out in the film room and then on the field. Um, I think they'd like to get as many as they can, obviously, and um, as mid-year guys as they can. And um, you're never going to see more than the five, six, seven guys coming in. Um, but uh, I think, especially Garrett McBroom coming in early, um, a guy that's six, six, three, two, sixty, and um, could be easily put on another fifteen pounds by the time fall camp starts. And um, another guy that can play that three technique, kind of get inside, outside, and do a lot of stuff on the defensive line, or, or they're going to need help this year. Um, and as I mentioned, like Jalen Thompson, um, a guy that can. Uh, can come in right away and probably compete for one of those cornerback spots or at least create some type of competition. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it's such a, it's so different than it was a couple of years ago where it was like, who is going to play cornerback now? Now it's, you can rattle off um, 10, 12 names that could actually uh, push to, to land in the two deeps now. So it's, it's huge to get them in there. And then um, you look at Justice Rogers where um, they didn't take quarterback and so he's going to get a chance to get in there and that helps out everyone in practice having a quarterback in there that's really competing to actually become a quarterback. I think that'll elevate all the competition. And so, um, yeah, getting those guys in early is huge, both on the football field and uh, off of it. We talked about it a little earlier and I meant to ask the question but forgot it because I'm an excellent radio host. Uh, Mike Leach kind of played off yesterday. He didn't, he didn't really dive too much in depth to the whole only hosting guys on campus after the regular season was over. I, I believe they had at least a few official visits while they were prepping for the Sun Bowl, uh, which is obviously fine by me. I don't mind if they have them there before the season's actually over in that case. But he kind of you know played it off as not really knowing the effect too much, but he thinks it helped a little bit. It, it really seems to have done that because the coaches and the players that are on the team can really devote their focus uh, to the recruits that are coming onto campus rather than being worried about 
having to deal with uh, you know a Saturday full of not just football, but you know meeting alumni and all the other crap that goes along with the football weekend. They don't have to worry about that. They can just focus on these kids. Do you think it paid off for them, and that this is something they're going to continue to do going forward? Oh, 100%. I mean, um, when you look at what they do on a, a game weekend, they get the kids in early on Friday, and uh, they probably have a little lunch with them, and they meet with their position coaches. But then the coaches got to get ready to get for that, get ready for that game, and then. Um, the, the team all goes down to Lewiston the night before, and so um, you have your recruits just hanging out in the in their, their hotel rooms until they get back to campus and probably do something in the morning. But then you're getting ready for the game. There's really no chance to outside of sending around with some GAs and doing some tours of campuses and meeting with professors. There's no real one-on-one time. Um, yeah. Taking it to the end of the season um, and then into January, it gives you a chance to literally focus like all of the time on the recruit. Get to know the recruit. Get to know the family. Sell your Nobody, no, there's no drunk alumni on campus to embarrass them that way. Also, um, yeah. let's I let's now that everybody in this class is in the fax machine has done its duty for the year. It is now put away until next February. Uh, let's look ahead to 2017 a little bit, Britain. I know you know we're still obviously a year out from that. Uh, not a ton of offers extended yet uh, from Washington State. Uh, not from you know a ton of schools yet. They don't you don't really extend offers this far out usually, but. Uh, Washington State is recruiting a four-star quarterback. They've extended offers to a few other guys uh, as well. What are the coaches kind of looking at right now in terms of 2017, and when do they really start to kind of you know hit hit the ground really hard, so to speak, uh, for the next recruiting class uh, coming up next February? Also, you see, most of these classes are two-year classes. They, they usually recruit two years ahead, so they, they have extended about 50, 60, 70 offers out in this class already. And they're, they're uh, closely monitoring everyone. I mean, even when they're out uh, visiting the current um, recruits, they were in high schools visiting um, 2017 prospects this whole time. Um, yeah, Tristan Gebbia is one that uh, I think a lot of people are getting excited about. He's the guy that's uh, already visited campus, um, narrowed his list, which was included Alabama and um, a bunch of big schools, Miami and a bunch of Nebraska. And um, he narrowed that down to um, five. I think it includes uh, Ole Miss. WSU, UW, West Virginia, and Nebraska, and so um, a pretty good group of people, or pretty, pretty good group of schools there, and uh, a four-star guy right at number four pro-style quarterback in the country by um, Rivals.com, and uh, someone they're really going to go hard after. There's another quarterback out of, uh, uh, I believe it's Oregon, Connor Neville, another four-star guy that uh, they'll go after, and so they're really going to go after a quarterback hard and usually try to get that wrapped up by about April, so over um, the next couple months, you're going to have some uh, quarterbacks on campus taking some unofficial visits so that they can um, really be 
they, uh, it'll be easier to recruit a quarterback in this class just because right. the depth chart's going to be a little bit different. Um, but yeah, they, they've been um, going hard after a, a lot of 2017 kids already. Most of the really top ones, but all the fringe guys are some guys that they're really uh, just kind of monitoring. And um, you're going to see kids start getting offers from other schools, and then everyone's going to offer them at the same time. It's just kind of how it works at these um, at this time, and they, they don't want to be left out. And so. Um, as soon as uh, the USC's and UCLA's or even the WSU's and the Utah's start offering and the USC's and UCLA's start offering it, um, it, it's really an exploratory time for um, everyone on the recruiting trail. And um, You're not going to see commitments pop up until uh, this summer probably. Um, WSU doesn't have the luxury of being able to get many guys uh, on campus for unofficial visits. And so um, their stuff kind of kind of takes a backseat until... Um, later until we get closer to the season, they do have one commit right now. Um, a three-star out of Rancho Cucamonga. Um, he's a, a, a defensive back that plays safety or cornerback against Tyary um, Venable. Um, he's got a pretty good offer sheet, and he's a guy that uh, is getting looked at by a lot of big programs: Michigan, UCLA, UW. Um, and so, a guy that they're going to struggle to hold on to, but it sounds like he's pretty committed. He's one of the Ground Zero guys that committed with uh, Skyler Thomas and the Grant mm-hmm. Porter, so there's a connection there. But other than that, man, it's uh, take some time off um, for me at least doing the recruiting stuff, <laughs> and uh, I, I think the staff uh, they might take a week or so, but there'll be offers coming out here soon, and um, then we do it all over again. Because this is just kind of the time of year where you know everybody, you know, you've been building up to it, building up to it, and now you just kind of relax for a few weeks and start planning out spring ball a little bit. But the staffs can kind of take a little time off. God forbid, maybe take a vacation with their family if they want to, maybe. Yeah, if they want to get on a plane again, I don't know if they, they might. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe drive somewhere then. I drive to Police Falls go. and camp for a week. I don't know. That would be way too long. <laughs> no, that'd be way too much. Britton Ransford has enjoyed his Pendleton very much uh, over the last couple of days. He has deserved it. Uh, so is Jeff Newser, Mark Sandritter, everybody who did all the work for us over at Kook Center. I didn't do anything. I just sit here on the phone with Britton and pick his brain. Uh, the dude's been on the radio. He's done stuff for TV the last couple of days. And uh, I'm just sitting here in jeans and a t-shirt recording him. So uh, a big every, everybody needs to give these guys a big round of applause for all the work they did the last couple of days. Uh, and I'll give you the P.O. box where you can send them the bourbon uh, that they need. And then Britain, are, are you fine with, with that as a gift for all the work you've done? Yeah, as much as possible. It'd be great. Um, just any brown liquor is great. If, uh, I can, um, post that in the comments here under my address in the comments and people who can send that uh, in bulk even would be great. Yeah. Just go to Costco, buy them a box, you know, that'd be the yeah. best thing to do. Britain Ransford from kookcenter.com. We are wrapped up on this recruiting class. We'll talk to you guys later this spring when we preview a little bit of spring football. We'll talk about the baseball team, too, coming up later this year here on the Kook Center Hour. In the meantime, good class uh, for Mike Leach and staff with plenty of depth on it this time. Uh, we will see you round the bend here on the Kook Center Hour.